Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. We've been looking over the past month or so at the Sermon on the Mount. And remember, we said the main point of the whole deal is to actually live these words that Jesus teaches. We looked at that the, the first week, which is actually the last thing Jesus says. The wise man is the guy who hears these words and does them. He's the one who builds his house on the rock. Everybody else, people who just hear them but don't do them, They've built their house on the sand, and when the storms come, you're, they're going to get swept away. And so for us, what we've been saying is that this is not just something to memorize. It's not just something to know. It's something to live. Otherwise, we're the fool who knows this stuff and doesn't do it. And when the storms of life come, we're going to get swept away. Jesus guarantees that. When the storms of life come, if your house, your life is not built on the rock, on the words that he teaches, you're going to get swept away. And so we gave out those journals the first couple of weeks, and people have been tracking, hopefully, the times in your life when you've made an intentional decision to live on the rock, we want you to track that. Because a lot of us think of ourselves a little bit better than we really are, and we might think that we've actually built our house on the rock, and we haven't. And then the storms come, and we don't make it, and we wonder what happened. We thought we were okay, and it turns out that we weren't okay. And so we were doing this little exercise just so that we would know. If you've got a blank If all you have is blank paper, there's not been any time over the past four or five weeks where you've intentionally made a decision that was living on the rock, that was living Jesus' words, well, that should make you say, hmm, maybe there's something going on in my life that's not anything to condemn you. I'm actually doing it more as a way. I don't know how else to do kind of a pre-warning system before something bad happens and you have to realize whether or not you've done it than to say, well, why don't you track it and see how you're doing? It's kind of like a pretest. Let's see how you're doing before the real thing happens. So that's where we've been, and we're wrapping up. We've got this week and next week. And this week, the the verses are a little weird. Um, It it doesn't seem to fit. Last week, we talked about putting treasure in heaven, not treasure on earth, and about not worrying and how those two things are tied together. And uh, we all, I challenge, we used a little mustard seeds and we challenged everybody to think of one area where you worry and then ask the Lord to work in that area. I hope you did that this week and I hope you saw some change in your heart or in your circumstances and I would say keep that up. Just continue to do that and you'll see more and more happen in your life. When we go straight from that to this thing about not judging and again it doesn't seem to make sense. Why did he say this right after he said the other thing that I think what's happening Jesus is wrapping up the sermon. It's coming to a close. He's already done a couple of chapters, tons of content and he's starting to bring things to a close. And you can really see the whole Sermon on the Mount as Jesus describing how to live life as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Remember we talked about that way at the first week. This whole thing, this sermon is given after this introductory verse that says Jesus went around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. We talked about the kingdom of God as the rule of God, as the reign of God. And what Jesus is doing is he's saying this is how you live under that rule or under that reign. This is what citizens of the kingdom look like. They look like guys who turn the other cheek. It looks like people who don't have anger in their hearts. It looks like people who go the second mile. It looks like people who don't worry. It looks like people who don't do the good things that they do in order for other folks to see them. They're doing it for the Lord. That's what it looks like to be a citizen in the kingdom. And he's done all that, and now he's wrapping up. And I think what he's saying here is that we need other people to help us do that. And these six verses, I think, are a 
Jesus' illustration or some explanation maybe on how to have kingdom relationships. That sounds corny, but how to have, what does it look like to relate to people in the kingdom of God? What does it look like for me and you to be friends, basically, in the kingdom of God? Because it's different than it would be if we weren't in the kingdom of God. And I think that's what these six verses are about. Jesus is saying, this is how you relate to one another. And I think underlying all of this is this idea that you need people. You can't do it on your own. I need people and you need people. And Jesus is saying, these are the kind of people that you need. So we're, there are three commands and we're going to hit them. The first one and then the second two we'll do really quick. The first one, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I would say that's probably the most misused verse in the entire Bible. Don't judge or you will be judged. That's thrown around like a hand grenade. Anytime anybody says anything about anything, they lob the don't judge thing and it shuts it off. You can't tell me what to do because you're judging me and Jesus says don't judge. We've talked about this before. That's nonsense. The Bible is chock full of things that we're supposed to judge. Good fruit and bad fruit makes no sense if we're not supposed to judge between the two. And actually somebody telling you not to judge is actually is passing a judgment upon your judgment. You can't live, you can't do it. There's no such thing as someone who doesn't judge others. You can't, do, unless you just sit in your room all the time. You can't engage people at all without judging. The point, this is not the point for today, this is a side note. The point is to judge rightly. We judge based on what God says, not based on what we think or feel or want. That's the deal. So that's biblical judging. It's you judge based on what God says, not based on what you think or feel or want. What Jesus is talking about here, again, is personal relationships. And I think what he's saying here, it's, it's not necessarily that we don't judge one another because just a few verses down he says we should. They're false prophets. You need to look at their fruit. Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? And you'll know them by their fruit. That doesn't make any sense if we're not looking at one another's life. What he's talking about is being overly critical of one another. And he's saying, don't do that. And he said, why? Because the measure you use will be measured back. We've talked about this several times over the past few weeks. Whatever you give, what you reap, you reap what you sow. What you give comes back. It's not karma. It's a, it's a biblical principle. that God says, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The parallel verse in Luke 6.37, if you want to flip over there, you can see it spells it out. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Judge and you will be judged. Condemn and you will be condemned. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over in your lap. There's this principle in the Bible that whatever you give, that's what's coming back. And again, it's not, it's not karma. It's the way God responds to our hearts. God is generous, and he's looking for people who will be that as well. So, this is kind of my deal. I'm thinking Jesus has just given two chapters. I don't know how long it took for him to tell all of this stuff. All these things. Blessed are the poor in spirit and turn the other cheek. And if you look at someone lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And don't worry. So I think he's done all of this. And being people, I think folks are starting to look around and say, well, you know, Matthew used to be a tax collector, so he's probably got a lot of treasure stored up on earth. And we all know John's a worrier and Peter never turns the other cheek. And so I think people are probably, that's what we do. We st- if I say, tell you that 50% of all marriages end in divorce, you start looking around wondering who it's going to be. It's not you. It's somebody else. That's just that's who we are. We, when we hear stuff like this, we immediately start looking around to see who it applies to. I was in a class in seminary, and my professor said 75% of the people 
who go into what I'm doing, like full-time church work, do it because of their ego. And you could just see everybody looking around, wondering, well, it's not me, so it's the other three guys. That's what we do. And I think that's what was going on here with the disciples. You hear all this stuff Jesus says, and the kind of the immediate response is to start looking around, saying, well, I wonder who this applies to, because it doesn't apply to me, because I'm good. I'm good. I don't worry that much. No, I don't have treasure in earth. My treasure's in heaven. No, I, I turned the other cheek. I remember that time where I did that. I mean, we start doing all of those things. And I think what Jesus is saying is you can't do that. You can't judge that way. What that does, that creates competition among us. Who's the best? Who's the holiest? Who's the most righteous? And it puts walls up between us because I can't let you see who I really am because then you'll know that I'm not as good as I think I am or I think that you think that I am. And it keeps us from really engaging one another. We can't live apart from, I would say, these deep, meaningful, mutually encouraging relationships and judging keeps us from those. It makes me keep you out here because I can't let you in here. I'm judging you, so I assume you're judging me back because the measure I use is measured back to me. So I'm critical of you. I assume you're being critical back to me. And so i got to keep you out. It's what we talked about a few weeks ago about being, being hypocrites. It's putting on a mask. It's saying everything is okay when it's not really okay, but I don't want you to know it's not okay because I think you're okay. And I don't want you to know that I'm not because then that puts me down here and then you're up here. And I don't want to be that. I want to be here or I want to be here. But I don't want to be here, for sure. And so I think Jesus is saying, don't judge. It kills relationships. Judging kills relationships because it pushes people away. It puts us like this where we're competing with one another on some level. Jesus is talking to disciples here. And it puts them in competition with one another. Who's the most righteous? Who's the most holy? Who's the least worrisome? Worrier, whatever. Who turns the other cheek the fastest? Who really walks the second mile? And it puts us in this competition where we can't really engage with one another on a deep level because we're judging. I'm judging you, and so I assume you're giving that back to me. So that's the first thing. This is something, this could be a complete bomb. Let me try this. This is called the Johari window. Have you ever heard of this thing? We show that slide. Have you ever heard of this thing? Two guys in 1955, Joseph somebody and Joseph Luft and... Harry Ingram, that's where they get Johari, came up with this thing. This is a tool. You might have used it in your work or in a team that you've been a part of that says there's kind of four quadrants. You've got this first one, the blue one. It's your open area. It's what everybody knows about you and what you know about yourself. I've got blue eyes. That's obvious. You can see that. I know that, that about myself. Whatever. The blind spot, that's the lime, I guess it is. That's stuff that's not known to me, but you know, that's the spinach in the teeth window. You can see that I've got stuff in my teeth. I can't see it. And so then this, this yellow one is unknown. That's stuff that's not known to me or not known to you. That stuff, that's kind of subconscious stuff and all that. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. And then the red is stuff that I know that I don't let you know. That's the facade. That's the skeletons in the closet window. That's stuff I know about me, but I'm certainly not going to let you know. About me. So there's this, these guys in 1955 came up with this thing. We show the next slide, please, Jillian. And they said there were, um, what you would do is there's these 55 adjectives that you can look at. You can Google this if you want to do it at home. And I would write six adjectives that I think describe me. And then I would get whoever is in my work group or my wife or whoever to also write six adjectives that describe me. So we would do that separately. 
And then we would compare. And the things that you say and I say about me, that's in that first quadrant. That's public. I say I'm brave and you say I'm brave. So that's public. The stuff that would be in that hidden one is stuff that I say that you don't say. I say I'm trustworthy and you don't. So that's something that I say that you don't. The hidden is stuff that neither of us says about me. And then the um, blind spot is stuff that you say that I don't. You say that I'm something. You say I'm ingenious and I say that I'm not. So that's just something I don't know about myself that would be good for me to know. So that's originally what these guys did. And it's kind of gotten blown up beyond that, just working in teams. And there's a, some researchers at the University of San Francisco in their professional college, who said that next one, Jillian, who said this is the kind of, they've done a lot of research and said this is the kind of people we want to be, and that doesn't take a rocket scientist. We want to be people who have a big blue area. We want that open public arena of our life to be big. Those are folks who they would say have a good self-image, they're self-confident, and they're, they, they feel good enough about themselves that they let other people in. I would say biblically, the word I would use is mature. I would say if, if you've got a big blue area, then you're mature. I don't just mean you're spiritually mature. I mean you're mature as a person. I think it's Colossians 1.28. Paul says his goal was to present us perfect in Christ. And that word perfect means mature or complete. So this is what we're going for. We want to be mature people who know ourselves and let other people in. That's what we want. That's not where most of us are. There are lots of things, I guess they are immaturities, that get in the way that keep us from doing that. We show the next one, please. The first one, these are the guys, these University of San Francisco guys called these folks blabbermouths. They said these are guys who talk all the time and never let anybody say anything back. They've got a huge blind spot. They've got stuff all in their teeth, but they never shut up long enough for you to tell them because they're talking all the time. All the time, talking, talking, talking. I would say that there might be a few people in here who that applies to. You can ask someone who loves you if that's you or if that's not you. Those are um, blabbermouths. For us, I would say those are folks who don't give enough time to get feedback. They're not quiet long enough to get any feedback from anybody else. What else you got? Okay, unknown. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, honestly, because I didn't get it fully. But um, the University of San Francisco guys call these folks hermits. Their relationships are shallow and superficial. That's kind of the best I could come up with. Is They say these are people who don't really know themselves and don't let other people in. I don't know. For me, it's just people who have shallow relationships. Everything's superficial. Everything they do is to keep people out and to protect themselves. You don't want to be one of those guys. And then the next one, are these are guys, they call them pumpers because they pump other people for information. They've got a huge hidden area. They know a lot about other people, but they don't let anything about themselves be known. You know folks like this. They're always, and maybe it looks good, they're always asking, they're always listening, they're always kind of probing you, but anytime you ask back, they deflect, they defer, they keep you out. Those are folks, they call them pumpers because they pump for information, but they never give anything back. In Matthew 10, 8, Jesus is about to send his 12 disciples out for their first um, mission trip. And he gives them what I think is that this is a key principle for all of life. It's, he says, freely you've received, freely give. I think that is a key to growing with the Lord. It's a key to relationships with one another. Freely you've received, freely you've given. It, it works this way, and it works this way. Throughout the Gospels, you'll see 
this idea that kind of runs through that if you don't share what you've been given by God, you're going to lose it. And it doesn't seem fair. There's some places where the, in the Bible where Jesus says even what he has will be taken away from him. And we think, that's not right. Why would you take away the little that somebody has? But if you don't use it, if you don't share it, God takes it. That's what he does. He's generous and he doesn't handle. Stingy folks don't get very far with him. And so that works this way and it works this way. Freely you give and freely you receive. We've got to do both to have healthy relationships. That guy, that mature person, is in relationships where he freely gives and receives with other people who freely give and freely receive. I think a lot of us get stuck because we tend to fall one way or the other. We tend to either be kind of the blabbermouths who talk all the time or we're the pumpers who are just getting information with folks but we never share. The blabbermouths are people who give all the time and they never receive. The pumpers are people who receive all the time and they never give. You can kind of look at it, maybe this is a picture. That, that mature person is like a, a lake where there's a stream coming in and there's a stream going out. There's fresh stuff coming in and there's fresh stuff going out. The blabbermouth, that's Lake Lanier right now. The level is just getting lower and lower. There's nothing coming in and there's all kinds of stuff coming out. The pumper is kind of like a bathtub. There's stuff coming in, but it doesn't go anywhere. It just sits and gets cold and dirty. And then the hermit, that's to me, is just a stagnant pond. There's nothing coming in and there's nothing going out. And I would say for all of us, our goal is to be that mature person. But that's not necessarily, none of us are born that way and we all have something that we fall into. For me, I fall into the pumper deal. And I'll sit there and I'll ask you all kinds of questions, but I'm not going to let you in. And that's kind of, when I'm not doing well, that's the way I fall in my personal relationships. You might fall a different way. You might be the hermit guy who just walls everything off. You might be the blabbermouth who just talks too much and doesn't let anyone speak into you. I don't know. But it's something that I would say, I would lay it out there and say this whole idea of not judging to tie it up in a bow. The point is to promote these mutually encouraging relationships. Encouragement doesn't always sound like you did a great job. Sometimes encouragement sounds like you can do better. Encouragement is not the same thing as just praising somebody constantly. It's pushing somebody forward. Sometimes what they need is that you're doing great. Sometimes what they need is you can do better, and you know you can. That's still encouragement because it's moving someone forward. Those are the relationships we need if we're going to live this Sermon on the Mount because you can't do it on your own. Judging prevents that because it creates competition between me and you, and I'm going to keep you out, and you're going to keep me out. We're going to be hypocrites. We're going to play games. We're going to wear masks. We're going to, whether you're a blabbermouth or a pumper or a hermit, whatever, it doesn't promote maturity, mature relationships among us. And so Jesus says you can't do it. If you do that, it's going to cut off this avenue of grace into your life. The way to get there, the way to get to that big blue box where there's more maturity, if you're a blabbermouth, I mean, obviously, shut up. Let people speak into your life. That's called vulnerability. When you allow somebody to speak into your life, it's vulnerability. You might feel like you share all the time and your life's an open book and anybody knows what's going on with you. That's great. But if you never let anybody speak into your life, you're not going anywhere. It's like going to the doctor and telling them everything that's wrong with you and then getting up and leaving. You've got to let somebody speak into your life. That's vulnerability. If you're a blabbermouth, that's what you need to work on. 
You need to find some folks who you trust enough to say, I'm not going to talk now. You tell me. What do you see in my life? What do you see going on? How can you encourage me? If you're a pumper, that's me. The thing is transparency. That's letting people see in. That's just opening the door. It's letting you know what's going on in my life. And for some of you, you're guarded, you're hidden. And you need to let people in. You've got to be transparent and you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to let people see what's going on and you've got to let them speak into your life. It's not enough, one or the other. If they can't see, then by definition, they can't speak. They don't know what to talk about. But if you're allowing them to see and not speak, you're still not doing anything. They're not able to encourage you. So we've got to develop relationships. And you don't need 12. You need two or three relationships with other folks that you allow to see into your life and speak into your life. And that will make you that mature person. Those are what God, God works through people. And as you establish these type of mutually encouraging relationships, you give him all your, your opening, opening up channels for him to work in your life. It's like the hermit is a stagnant pool. Nothing comes in. The more people that you have speaking into your life, that's more channels of grace for God to work. So that's the first thing. That's the big one. Don't judge. These others are kind of subpoints. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there's a plank in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I would say this is the second most abused verse in the Bible because people say, see, if you've sinned at all, then you can't say anything to anybody about the sin in their life. Again, that's ridiculous. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What The picture he paints here is absolutely, it is ridiculous. The, the idea, the, that word for plank is um, like a beam in a house. So you've got one of these things sticking out of your eye and you're trying to help somebody get a speck of dust off their contact. You, you can't do it. It's not that you shouldn't do it, it's that you can't do it because you've got a beam sticking out of your eye, so you can't see clearly. The point is not to say, well, it's okay for me to have a speck of dust on my eye because you've got a two-by-four sticking out of yours. It's to say, get the two-by-four out of your eyes and then help me. That's the point. It's not to say, well, then we're all okay and everything's fine because we all have stuff that we struggle with. No. It's to say that the... What Jesus calls them here, here is hypocrites. I mean, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Hypocrites, people who are acting. He's saying just, you've got to be honest about what's going on in your own life. That's why these relationships have to be both ways. It doesn't work just for one of us to try to be vulnerable and transparent. We both have to be. We both have to be willing to say, you know what? I've got stuff going on in my life and so do you. So let's help each other do that. What he's saying to the guys who are Maybe you can look at it like this. In relationships, I think most people are either advice givers or advice takers. I think there's a default. And by advice, I mean counsel, encouragement, support, all of that stuff. Anything, all of that. I'm just using advice for shorthand. I think most folks, by default, either are advice givers or advice takers. Like, I'm an advice giver by default. That's kind of the, the line that I fall on. And I think these next two commands, Jesus is talking to each of us. To the hypocrite thing, he's talking to the advice giver. The thing about taking the plank out of your eye, he's saying to the advice giver. He's not saying you don't do it. He's saying you've got to be authentic and genuine when you do. So in order for me to enter into a relationship with you that's mutually encouraging, I've got to be willing to say, you know what? I've got dust in my contact also. Or whatever. Otherwise, I'm not, we're, we're not this. I'm here and you're here. And that doesn't work for very long. 
So what he says to the advice giver is be real. Recognize that you've got something sticking out of your eye too. And then this next thing, do not give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What he's saying to that is to the advice takers. People who tend just to receive. What he's saying there is you don't give stuff that's precious. Dogs weren't cute and cuddly. Nobody had pet poodles. These are wild dogs. You don't give things that's pre- that are precious to wild dogs or to pigs. It's wasted on them. They don't get it. Your heart, the stuff that's going on in your life is precious. It's treasure. You don't need to go spewing that everywhere. You need to find people who you trust, who basically are worth that. And you hear what I'm saying with worth. Not just the first person that you bump into. You don't cast your pearls before pigs because it's wasted on pigs. And the same thing is true with the stuff. If you're an advice taker, the tendency could be just to kind of open yourself up and take everything that comes your way. And what Jesus says, if that's you, just be careful. Make sure you're picking people that you're choosing to enter into a relationship with basically with people who are, who are worth it, to people who will respect what you're sharing with them, to people who love you, not folks who are going to abuse you or use the information in a bad way. So there's some warnings there to guys like me who are advice givers. He's saying you've got to be real, Make, recognize that there's stuff going on in your life, and if I'm going to be in this relationship with whoever, I've got to be willing to own that. And to advice takers, he's saying you need to be careful also and just share with people basically who are worth it, who are trustworthy, who love you and are not going to take what you've given them and uh, use it in a bad way. So the context of all that, again, is relationships. And we've talked about this for several weeks. If you were at the ministry greenhouse a few weeks ago, this was the thing that we hammered. We have got to find two or three folks who we're willing to enter into these kind of relationships with. People who you're willing to have a big blue box with. You don't have to have a big blue box with everybody. But there need to be a few folks who you have a big blue box with. Who they know you and you know them. Who you you allow them to see into your life and speak into your life. The way to do that, again, you've got to... For me, I've got to be willing to share. I've got a big red box. I've got to be willing to share. For some of you, you've got to be willing to shut up and let people speak. And be quiet long enough to let somebody else tell you what they see and what's going on. None of this is heavy. This is the way that God works in our life. If we don't do this, if we don't intentionally establish these types of relationships, we won't make it. I remember um, I used to watch, we used to have very limited cable channels. And so I watched PBS a lot because we only went up to 12. So two of them were static, one was PBS, and four were networks. So... I used to watch PBS, and they used to have these nature shows. And there's, na- I can't remember where it was set, Australia or something, where there are these herds of wildebeest that would cross this, I guess it's a river or something, and there are these massive 18, 20-foot crocodiles that would just wait. They would wait for this herd of wildebeest to cross, and they'd pick them off. And it was a gruesome deal. And what they said was, these guys who I guess spent their life Studying this, you would see the wildebeest come down. It was steep, and they would come down whatever you come down, the valley or whatever, and then there's this river that goes through, and they would all kind of stop, and they would kind of herd up and get everybody together, and then a couple of them would just take off. And if the rest of them came, they were, the crocodiles couldn't do anything. If they ran across as a pack, they were safe. 
The ones that got eaten were the ones that veered off. Either they went too soon or they straggled behind or they didn't go in where the rest of the pack was going. And then there were easy pickings and they, crocodiles did what crocodiles do. But if they stayed together, they made it across without any problem. And the Bible talks about Satan not as a crocodile but as a lion. And what he's looking for are those stragglers. He's looking for people who are trying to do it on their own. And if you'll find people who'll do it with you, you'll make it through. And if you don't, you won't. I don't care how much you love Jesus. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much time you spend alone with the Lord. If you don't have people, you won't make it. Because we were designed for relationships. And it's not just a relationship with God. It's a relationship with other folks. And those relationships don't come accidentally. They come through intentionality where you or me say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to pray and ask God, who? Who? I don't have anybody I'm willing to have a big blue box with. You've got to show me who. And trust that he will. And when he does, take a step and do that. Ask them. I'm going to ask, Whitney, I want you to share a bit. I didn't ask Whitney to do this. We, <laughs> why don't you come up here for a second? We're going to use this other microphone. Just as an illustration of this, um, she's, she was not prepped for this, so if she ums and ahs, you just give her grace. Why don't you talk just real briefly about your, um, how you and Lindsay hooked up? Uh, Lindsay's in child care. Um, she goes to Kansas State. Um, I have a real huge heart for discipleship, and when I say that, I just mean meeting one-on-one with somebody just to encourage them and what God's doing in their life, and somebody to pray for you, and just, I think there's something that happens when you're able to talk about things going on in that open relationship, so I've been praying for that for some time since I moved here, and just wasn't sure if God wanted to do that here, and what that was supposed to look like, um, and so then... I met Lindsay, and I had just been the meet and greet, <laughs> and I'd been praying, like, if God had something for that relationship, and um, I got to know her a little bit more one week after church, and that was pretty much it, and then she came up to me the next week and said, I feel like the Lord wants you to start meeting with me, and I was like, wow, that's exactly what I was praying, so it was really cool, and now we meet once a week, um, and she shares stuff going on in her life, a really open relationship, and it's been really cool, and I try to, you know, open up to her, too, about things going on. Thanks. So let's just be honest, that's a little weird for somebody to come up and say, hey, I would like to be in this type of relationship with you. That doesn't happen every day. But the point of all that to me is there are people that the Lord has for you, and there may be people in this room, they might not. That doesn't matter to me, as long as you've got somebody who you're doing this with, somebody who you've got the big blue box with. And I think it's instructive that Jesus gives this at the end of the sermon on the mount. If we're serious about living life on the rock, we need other people to help us, to tell us if we've fallen off, basically, and to encourage us to get back on. And you need folks in your life to do that. So I'm going to pray. These guys are going to come back up, and uh, we'll close with...